before we start the show, I wanted to let you know about a limited opportunity. The doors are open to our online community. Where we're helping clinicians get confidence and success when dealing with the complexity of pain we see in practice. We have Brownie Thompson, Mike Stewart, and myself helping clinicians get the training they need to get comfortable managing pain well. You get live events, workshops, peer support, and direct feedback on your practice and your unique struggles. You can visit the community on your computer or on the go on your smartphone. The doors are closing on May 8th, so make sure you check out modernpainpro.com for all the details and to start transforming your practice today. Changing the story around pain. This is the Modern Pain Podcast, helping to improve the understanding and treatment of pain across the world through education, advice from experts in the field, personal stories from those living well with pain, and more. A modern approach to pain treatment, management, and education, while helping to bring the patient voice back to healthcare. This is the Modern Pain Podcast. Here's your host, Dr. Mark Cardula. What is going on, everybody? This is Mark Cardinal, lead faculty and CEO here at Modern Pain Care, where we make you the complete clinician. Coming at you with another episode of the Modern Pain Podcast, and finally have our partner, Jared Hall, back in the mix. He's been a busy man, traveling man, holiday-enjoying uh, man, so we're, we're excited to have him back in the fold for this week's episode. Uh, but this week's episode, one that hopefully will help you guys out in the clinic, because it's a feeling that both Jared and I have uh, struggled with mightily in our past and had really difficulties you know, what the heck do I do when I have no idea what's going on with the patient in front of me? What the heck do I do? Because it does, what treatment do you roll out? How do we even move forward when you don't even have a good feeling like you understand what's going on with the patient? But before we get into that, um, that discussion, Jared, why don't you uh, let everybody know how you're doing and, and, and how we're doing or where we're at today? Man, I'm doing good. Uh, I, you know, knock on wood here. Here, um, you know, I think things are calming down for me a little bit. I got a little bit hairy over the last couple of weeks. Had um, had a lot of staff out sick. Had to had to work a lot of long days and had had some family in town visiting as well. So it was taking up all of my free time. And let's be honest with the folks, okay? We recorded a couple of podcasts before, and there were there were some technical difficulties. So I haven't been gone as long as people might perceive. Very very true. Very true. You know, unfortunately, you know, when I, I feel like I'm pretty good on the tech for the most part, but this time, you know, spent, uh, gosh, we recorded two episodes, spent about an hour. Yeah. As I mentioned on one of the podcasts, probably spoke some of the most influential words we've ever spoken and then went to edit the podcast and there was zero audio attached. Looked like just saw our nice faces. You know, if you read lips, I guess that might work for you, but it would not work well in a podcast format. So uh, we had to kind of do the plan B where I I just went and pontificated on the topic myself, and then we had our buddy Zach Huff, MPC uh, teammate, jump in. So we're thankful for Zach for jumping in, and we had a good episode last week. Um, but yeah, no, that I, I do need to to fess up that it was more a, a, a tech issue on my end of the of, of the equation for sure, for sure. So so let's get into the topic because we can we can I can rail on my tech struggles for for days, but so. How did you feel you were prepared coming out of school for, you know, the the patient where I have zero idea what the hell's going on with this patient because you know what none of those PowerPoint presentations I learned in school with like the nice bullet points of what I should see and not see to really neatly bucket these people into this diagnostic bucket they weren't there 
or if they were there, there was a bunch of things that fit a lot of different buckets. And I have, what the hell do I do with that? So uh, how did you feel school prepared you? And again, we're not here to bang on. I am part of a DPT program. So, I mean, there's limitations of what you can do probably in DPT school, which we'll talk about. But um, how did you feel with that situation coming out of school? Well, I would say that school prepared me as good as they could, uh, but the complexity of clinical practice just is is so much uh, more broad than what we have the time to teach in school, right? So um, when you get into clinical practice, not everybody looks like that pretty simple case that you get. It's just like, you know, the straightforward somacromial pain syndrome. They test, everybody tests positive for exactly the right tests and they have the exactly the same deficits, kind of like you see in the, in the cases in school. So you get out and, um, I feel like what happens is because you don't necessarily have the experience of developing a lot of clinical pattern recognition for things for various subtypes of, you know, presentations. And uh, it's hard to make sense of all that. You, you try to fit a lot of square pegs into round holes, right? Either that uh, you're, you're trying to you're trying to fit patients with unique uh, presentations into, you know, some sort of standardized approach or, or thought process, or you just kind of throw your hands up and say, man, I really don't know. I don't know what to do with this person. I don't know where to go because they don't look like, um, you know, what I've been taught to, to see, or they kind of look like what I've been taught to, to look for. But man, this, this, uh, approach that I'm putting together for this person doesn't seem like it's helping them much. It's been three, four, five, six weeks. And doesn't seem like they're making process progress. Doesn't seem like they're going the direction I want. And I don't, I don't know where to go from here. So I, I felt like I ran into that a ton, um, in my first couple of years out of school. And, and it, of course it helped when you do start developing a little bit of pattern recognition. And interestingly, I had, um, I had a discussion with a young uh, clinician not that long ago, a couple days ago. And we, we talked about the whole clinical pattern recognition thing. And they said, man, you know, people used to tell me that and I didn't understand what that meant. But now that I've been out of school for a year, a year, I'm kind of starting to understand that you pick up on things a little bit faster. You know, you get to the same conclusion a little bit quicker. You don't have to struggle as much. He's like, but I'm still having this situation where I don't know where to go for people that still don't fit into, you know, the, the patterns that I have in my head or, you know, the, the kind of black and white rigid, um, construction of how to treat, you know, this group of patients or this group of patients. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think as we've seen with the studies on subgrouping patients, I mean, it's the, the intentions I think are great with subgrouping. If it would be nice if people fit it perfectly into neat buckets and we could have consistent ways that we treat and, and it would, it would come out the same with majority people, but dang it, we work with human beings who don't always have that nice or rarely are going to fit perfectly neatly in a bucket. Um, definitely some common patterns that, as Jared mentioned, we, we start seeing form um, as we start getting into practice and, and getting our reps with people, uh, the, which again brings me to the point of you need to have a good pattern generator and a good process to generate these patterns going forward um, so you can really rely on them, you know, readily, you know, that's what the difference between to me a novice and an expert is, is these experts have these built in illness scripts and patterns, clinical patterns that they recognize and they jump on, which is often why when you're a student and somebody who's, you know, early in their career, definitely, I know this was the way for me where I would, um, 
you know, be working with a clinician or maybe have the opportunity to shadow or mentor. And I'd see them jump to this treatment or decision. And I'm like, where the hell did that come from? Like, I have no idea what got you from point A to point B there. There was the problem with the expert is they, there was a lot of pattern recognition and, and pattern generation that went into where they could jump from A to B, um, that there's a lot between those two points that, you know, the, novice clinician needs of that explicit experience and reps and that comes down to a really good clinical process of test treat retest so you can validate what's working and what's not don't wait six weeks not that you know i guess i'm sure jared and i both have cases where we look back and probably hung out a little too long in certain treatment approaches and things but that's where if you have a a, a, you know a treatment approach and a a system and a process where test treat retest and i'm going to see hey as i'm moving forward here am i asking about how's the functional asterisks the things that are important to you in your life are are you getting are those looking like they're getting any better because the other thing too is it's easy to see some short-term change with some objective things in clinic is it resulting into a meaningful change outside the clinic that's a sometimes a scary question to ask when we're not sure if we're going to get the answer we're hoping to hear but um, if we want to hold ourselves to growth and improvement we got to be willing to ask those questions and expose ourselves to that but uh, I'm curious with you Jared how is that clinical process or or what do you what do you feel like are your bedrock things that you lean on in those situations where man no idea what the hell's going on with this person Uh, you know where do I start where do I go what are the things that uh, might help some of the folks that are listening um, that you lean on yeah, for sure. And I, I think that uh, people listening, you you may know this or you may not perceive this. I still literally have cases every single day or every single week because I'm not in the clinic quite as much as I used to be where I just don't know what's going on with the person fully. Right. I have a reasonable hypothesis or I have some theories, but maybe I don't really have a way to justify that or, or confirm that. And I just don't actually know for sure what's going on with the person. So you've got to have a process to fall back on, right? You've got to have a framework that, that keeps you going the right direction and is very likely going to be helpful for that person. And, you know, the, the bedrocks that I fall back on, of course, are figuring out, number one, first and foremost, is figuring out what that person doesn't have going on, right? So this is ruling out your red flags, making sure there's nothing sinister, making sure there's nothing scary going on, making sure that you don't need to refer this person, making sure there's not any fractures, infection, uh, cardiovascular issues, things that would uh, make that person not be a great candidate for management by a physical therapist or by, by a chiropractor or whoever it may be. So that's number one, right? It's doing this really good screening process. When... When I'm like super confident that I know what's going on, uh, I do a lot less, you know, I do less physical exam tests and that sort of thing. When I'm unsure, yeah, I do a lot more physical exam tests and that gets very, you know, multi-system. And and I want to look at a a lot of different things to give the patient confidence that, you know, I'm, I'm really leaving no stone unturned, but also to make sure I'm not missing anything. So you've got to have a process that you go through for screening multiple systems. And then after that, once I feel confident that there is nothing sinister going on, the next thing that I need to do without a doubt is have a good understanding of the patient's 
both history with their condition, but also their physical activity history and their history with exercise and movement. I need to know who this person is. I need to know where they came from. I need to know what their body might be able to tolerate right now or what their their entire system might be able to tolerate. Because I could, I could know that, hey, you know, this level of exercise is probably going to be good for them. But if they have a, if they have the, the last six months of their life being very, very sedentary and I come in gun a blazing and I overdose their their exercise or I overdose their their treatment, they're probably going to have a flare up and it's going to muddy the waters. It's going to make me not know what's going on. It's going to make that patient lose confidence in what our plan is. It's going to make them scared to come back. It's going to make them even more scared of movement. So having a really good understanding of what their history is, where they've been and where they are now is one of the foundations. So I can have a decent idea of where to dose that person. Having a really good idea of symptom behavior. This is something that I don't feel like I see a lot of young clinicians do well, is really establish a list of ags and eases or aggravating factors and easing factors, establish a, a, an understanding of um you know, kind of the sins, right? How severe is this? How irritable is this? What is the nature? What is the stage? Like really ferreting out how this person presents and sometimes even helping them during that evaluative process understand what their symptoms are because they haven't reflected on them that deeply. Uh, So once I understand their history and I really understand the nature of their presentation, then that's going to help guide me towards finding their entry point for movement, right? So your process should always be guiding you towards where is the starting point for this person's ability to engage in movement, to engage in exercise, and what is their what are their thoughts around this, right? The the next bedrock is figuring out how does this person perceive movement? How does this person perceive exercise? How does this person perceive their injury and what they may or may not have going on? What does movement mean to them? What does this injury or this presentation mean to them? So you can start the process of unpacking why they might be fear avoidant, why they might be have kinesophobia, why they might be avoiding certain movements that could be helpful for them or habituating certain movements or positions that are actually uh, harmful for them or, or you know, holding them back. So grasping the psychology and the sociology around their presentation is probably the next bedrock. And, you know, you have to have that stuff. When you don't know what's going on with a person from a pathophysiologic standpoint, which in reality, most of the time we don't know because it's way more complex than we we like to typically fall back and think, um, But if you don't know all of those things, you're going to have a really hard time finding the entry point for where to start their their progression. And then understanding dosing after that, understanding having having a test retest or asterisk signs to come back to or key, you know, presenting factors that you can continually monitor to know if, wow, I'm I'm dosing this person just right and they're on board with the program and they understand it. I'm underdosing this person, you know, we have some more room where we can push forward and they're gaining confidence or man, you know, when we did that asterisk sign X, Y, and Z started to look a little bit different or started to, you know, go the wrong direction. And I need to know how to lateralize their program. I need to know how to regress it. I need to know when to pull out this exercise or, or shift over to that type of approach. And 
I'm probably getting into maybe a little bit too much too much depth here, Mark. But that you know, that's kind of the way that my brain reasons through this. When I don't know what the heck is going on with somebody, I've got to have this foundational process that sets me up for success moving forward and creates a scenario where that person can be successful regardless of their pathology. Yeah, I, I you know, obviously I echo those sentiments as far as in the end, the the key is we need to learn explicitly where the patient is at from a whole person perspective you know you've you've talked nicely about really having a thorough understanding of their symptom behavior so you can understand how am i going to approach an examination with this person if they're highly irritable where it takes minimal to bring on high level of symptoms and it's going to be a heck of a time to to get them to go away then we know we're going to probably have to really throttle back on how you know vigorous we have them you know we're examining them you don't want to over examine the the irritable patient and you on the flip side you don't want to under examine the non-irritable person if somebody says gosh you know takes me about five hours of repetitive overhead work before I'm going to get like a three out of 10 that, you know, if I rested for 15 minutes, I'm good. It's low irritability. So you can probably start getting into overpressures, combined movements, all the things that we talk about. But it's, it's the it's the concept of fitting yourself to the unique presentation in front of you and that even if it's a unique person that their unique presentation each day could change you could get a day where they're highly irritable they flared themselves up where you have to throttle things back that day and then gosh two days later you, you had a good treatment that two days previous things are calmed down you can start bumping things up into a little bit more vigorous things um, I like what you talked about as, as far as really understanding that person's movement baseline so you can have an idea of where's my dose that I'm gonna probably start with with movement Movement because this is what they've been doing okay you know obviously depending on how well they've been doing with their movements they've been performing at home but you want to know their activity baseline so you have a kind of a somewhat of an aiming point that you can make a educated guess on hey here's probably the volume intensity I want to look at when I'm starting to get into exercise um, but but yeah I think having that ability to really understand that whole person perspective and I know we just talked more maybe the you know the traditional ways that we looked at it but you also mentioned the the narrative of the person what do they think's going on what what's you know kind of their thoughts beliefs fears anxieties behaviors are they endurance coper avoidance coper all these kind of psychosocial things what's surrounding their condition what's what's the story that's surrounded what they've been going through in their injury um, and seeing if there's things that we need to touch into maybe they have some significant diagnostic concerns around x-ray reports or or catastrophizing things that you know the they've been given from you know well-meaning maybe orthopedic practitioners and things like that where we need to start unpacking some of this stuff with them so they can maybe get some better thoughts beliefs and and resulting behaviors around this stuff but in the end it's it's when you don't know what's going on you should seek with that genuine caring and curiosity what can i really unpack from all these aspects that we spoke about today um to, to have the best understanding of where that patient is and maybe it doesn't have to be my fingers perfectly on the treatment but i'm going to have some things that hopefully with these processes in line after i've really tailored my examination of the patient i've i've gathered a list of here's men a couple of things that could be you come out of that examination with hey this is what it most looks like to me right now you have some of those asterisk signs that can be your signposts of if you're making progress in the right or wrong direction and you choose a direction you're methodical in your application of it you're not treating to where hey these are treatments that would help four different things because then they come back with improvement or worsening you treated four different things so which one of those things worsened it or made it better that's why being very methodical pointed with your your choices of treatments focusing on one hypothesis making your any hands-on or manual treatments and resulting in, in complementing exercises 
focus on one thing so then you can know that hey i focused on one thing this is my results here's where i'm going to go after that and then have your plan a b and c um for a visit two ready ready to go um after you do that at, at the end of the thing so what are your thoughts that's a lot to be done how long how long did it take you to get to that point where you felt like you could kind of incorporate all this stuff um into into practice Man, it took me a long time. <clears throat> uh, honestly, I'm, I'm, I feel like in the last couple of years, I'm really just getting, getting where I feel super confident with that. And a lot of that's because I didn't have, I didn't have mentorship. I didn't have somebody, you know, giving me feedback. It was a lot of trial and error and figure things out for myself and dive into the literature and reach out to whoever I could, whenever I could, wherever I could to get to get feedback. And, uh, it was a lot of painstaking, you know, time and time and hours spent on trying to develop that process and really develop a framework. Um, so it, it took me, it took me maybe longer than it, it took, a, it, it takes other people or maybe, maybe longer than it would take if I had some, some regular feedback or, or somebody that I trusted giving me, uh, you know, some explanations and some guidance and that sort of stuff along the way. Yeah. And, and that nicely segues into what um, we, Jared and I were talking about before we came on this podcast is that we're going to be running a challenge here in the next few weeks as far as um, just getting you guys to start getting your thinking caps on in the clinic and getting yourself to where you start incorporating some of this stuff. It's going to be a free challenge. Uh, likely is going to be a week long. Um, so keep your eyes on our social media feeds, Instagram, Facebook, and then don't hesitate to reach out to Jared or myself, Mark at Modern Pain Care, Jared at modernpaincare.com um, and we'll let you know how you can get enrolled in it but we're excited for it because it's going to be our way to start really helping clinicians who you know you don't need to be feel like you're living on an island uh, or feel like you're so buried in in clinical world of folks you're not sure what the heck to do with um, that you start getting some clarity you start getting some direction you start getting some confidence in the clinic which uh, I hope you can hear that Jared and I both still have those patients like I am not 100% certain what the heck is going on with this person but I am certain that I have a process I'm going to be able to test some things out and get a direction sooner rather than later with them. So let's get you guys on board with that process and start you on the road to, to getting more confidence in the clinic, to feeling less lost in the clinic, and, and to be comfortable with having a, maybe three, four people on your caseload where you're not sure. I know it's like I'm genuinely so curious. Like, man, I'm curious what's going to happen after what we just did this last visit. I, I, wanna, I can't wait to see him next visit to see if I'm on the right track or not. And I'm okay if I was on the, wasn't on the right track because I got plan A, B, and C ready to roll. If, if or plan B and C ready to roll if, if plan A didn't go as planned. So, um, but that's the process we want to start getting you guys involved in. Um, any other things that you want to leave folks with before we finish up today, Jared? No, just just know that you're not alone. Know, know that no matter how good some clinician looks online or whatever, no matter what they say, they still have patients that they don't have a clue what is going on. Or if they act like they do, or if they genuinely believe they know exactly what's going on with every patient, that's because they don't know enough to know what they don't know. Very well said. Uh, I've been that clinician to who didn't know what I didn't know for a, a good period of time, and and um, get into a like-minded group of clinicians. We're going to create a community in this challenge, and we got some other cool things coming down the pipe of of some community options for you to get involved, where you can have a like-minded group of clinicians who can give you some of that real feedback um, to help you start developing these processes in your practice. Because uh, man, don't take as long as it took Jared and I to to struggle get some purposeful, pointed feedback from 
some folks that are trying to be the same place you are and trying to improve each day in the clinic. So uh, we're going to leave that with or leave you guys with that today. And hopefully you enjoyed today's episode. I'd love to hear um, where you're at in your clinical reasoning and your clinical process. What's been good for you guys? What's what's been some things that you've felt like you've had some success with as far as developing your process? What things maybe haven't been as successful or been as helpful in you in developing that process? Um, don't hesitate to reach out on social media. We'll be putting some posts on Instagram and Facebook so you can kind of chime in your comments. Um, we'd love to hear them. So with that said, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode and we will see you next time. This has been another episode of the Modern Pain Podcast with Dr. Mark Cartula. Join us next time as we continue our journey to help change the story around pain. For more information on the show, visit modernpaincare.com. Also, visit the Pain Masterminds Network on Facebook for free education and resources. This podcast is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. Please consult a licensed professional for your specific medical needs. Changing the story around pain. This is the Modern Pain Podcast.